Welcome to Journey Church. We're glad you guys are here. If you're joining us online, we're so glad you joined us. And uh, man, hopefully uh, God's got a, uh, something he wants to uh, speak to you about today. I was thinking about this today. You know, we get up and we go to church and, and hopefully we come here uh, not just to hear a word from God, uh, because I think, you know, God can speak through the, the songs, he can speak through something. But we're here because we want to have healthy relationships. We want to have relationships with the people around us and we want to spend time with them. Uh, just walking around just a few minutes ago, just hugging necks and shaking hands and saying, hey, I mean, sometimes we need those people in our life, right? And so uh, so if you're here today, uh, hopefully before you get out of here, you get a free hug, you know? I mean, somebody can give you a hug or shake your hand or at least smile at you, give away a smile, always do something like that. And so today... We're in our series, uh, Life is Better Together, and uh, today we're talking about uh, healthy relationships make life together better. So here's the key right there, it's the top word, is healthy, right? Because uh, we can have uh, strained relationships, and we can have damaged relationships, and we can have you know, tough relationships, but we need healthy relationships, all of us do. And, um, and so the cool thing about relationships is, uh, relationships is where you get connected, you get to know somebody, you get to build a relationship with somebody, and you, know, you can have acquaintances and you might know somebody's name, you might know something about them, you might know a few things, but really to have a relationship, you need to have some kind of uh, connection, you know, uh, maybe even a conversation or write letters or whatever. And so anyway, this past week, I got an email, or, or Lauren and I got an email from the, the, the three kids that we had sponsored in, um, uh, with Compassion. And uh, so just kind of an update on that cool thing, you know, we were praying for 157 kids to be sponsored. Right now we have 164 that have been sponsored. So that's awesome. Is that not right? That's cool. So those kids' lives are being you know, changed and impacted. And so here's what I wanted to say is it's not just about, you know, providing, you know, food for these kids and health care for these kids, but it's a little bit more than that. It's uh, hopefully it will be a relationship. You know, we get up to, we get an opportunity every day to pray for them by name and uh, we get, you know, we can use cards and stuff like that. And there's an app and you guys can get that app and we're going to have that on our website where you can learn how to use that app to be able to connect and hopefully build what a relationship with this kid so anyway we got this this uh, video this past week i want you to check it out so watch this they know your name now something powerful happens when a child learns their sponsor's name that moment represents hope it represents relationship it represents the love of jesus that instant that single minute, despite weeks, months, or even years of waiting, it takes only that one moment when a child learns their sponsor's name to change their life completely. This man has just decided to sponsor you today. <laughs> <laughs> your name your generosity you you are part of changing the life of a child in poverty it's a simple equation really your child knows your name and your child has a daily meal your child knows your name and your child can afford education your child knows your name and your child will receive medical care when they need it your child knows your name, and your child will hear the story of Jesus' love for them. Your child knows your name, and your child has hope for a better future. Your child knows your name, and everything changes. 
Thank you for your generosity and your heart for children. Wow. Will that put a smile on your face? Come on. That's good right there, man. So here, here's the cool thing is uh, those kids, uh, if you sponsored a child, you, hopefully by now you have got maybe got this email or whatever, but those kids know your name and who sponsored them. So hopefully there's a relationship established. In other words, not just sending money, not like just a mission deal, like uh, we're having just sending it and hopefully somebody will get fed, but you get to have an opportunity to share the gospel and to pray for that child. And if you'll remember, Owen uh, talked about whenever he found out who his sponsor was, he prayed for the sponsor and he prayed for his kids. So it becomes a relationship, right? And so today, like I said, we're talking about how to how to have uh, healthy relationships. And the main point here I would start with is it's, it's not about you. And I was thinking that this week as I was uh, putting this together. I was like, how many times have I put that down as a point in a message? You know, it's not about you. And if you look through Scripture, over and over and over, I'm reminded, it's not about me, right? It's about me dying to self. It's about me crucifying the flesh. It's about me saying, you know what, God, help me to love you and love others. And he meets the needs that I have. And so if I love him with all of my heart and I love people, he'll meet the needs that I have. And so my needs are met through me literally dying to myself and dying to the things that I think are so important sometimes. But so in God, I want to love you with all my heart and I want to love people. And so, so it's not about you. And so the more that we can get our mind around that, that, you know, hey, everything doesn't have to revolve around me. It's not about, you know, everything being focused on me and me being happy and me being whatever, because God will meet those needs as I focus on him and as I focus on the needs of others. And so we're looking at Philippians today. We're starting there. And it says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? All right, so these are rhetorical questions, so the answer is obviously yes, right? And so Paul is writing this, and he's going, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? We would say yes, right? There is great encouragement. There is eternal life. There is hope. There is peace. You know, all these things. And so he's asking, he's writing to the church here at Philippi, and he said, hey, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Absolutely. And all of them are like, well, yeah, yeah, sure there is. He goes, any comfort from his love? Yes, right? And so it'd be like going, yeah, hey, man, is fire hot? Yes. You know, I mean, I, yes, there's, there's a no-brainer. Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Yes. You know, we talk about having a kindred spirit. Uh, Laurie and I were out last weekend, and uh, we were at a marriage conference in Nashville, and uh, the other day, uh, the other night, we were at a restaurant, and anyway, I was, had my wallet open, and I was getting some money out for a, for a tip, and uh, this guy comes walking by, and he does like that, you know, and I said, how much you need? And, uh, you know, and, and anyway, so they go to the restroom, and we just kind of laughed or whatever. Well, anyway, we were walking out at the same time they were, and he said, hey, my little boy asked me, he goes, do you know that guy? Is he a friend of yours? And uh, he goes, no, no. And uh, so anyway, we ended up talking outside the restaurant. They were from Tennessee. They were passing through here. They were headed down to Eufaula. And uh, we were telling them, hey, we were up in Nashville last weekend and just kind of the same area, knew some of the same things. And uh, anyway, he said, well, my son asked me that. He said, no, we just had a kindred spirit. And, and so it was one of those things where we literally felt like we had known them. He gave me his card. He said, man, if you don't mind, email me. Tell me where your church is at and all this kind of stuff. And it was just one of those things where we had fellowship because of the spirit of God. He was a believer. He was talking about the, the marriage retreat that him and his wife had gone to. And, you know, we were talking, you know, talking to their kids and stuff. And so anyways, it was just one of those moments where there is fellowship. And even though we don't really know each other, they live in Nashville, we live here. You could just tell there was a kindred spirit there. Does anybody understand that? You get that? You know, and so I'm going like, man, that's so awesome. And so what Paul is saying, hey, is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Absolutely. Should be. There should, be, there should be fellowship because of the body of Christ and, 
You know, and when we come together as the body of Christ, there should be fellowship, the koinonia, you know, that there's this fellowship, meeting each other's needs. And, and maybe the need was today for someone to smile, you know, at you. Those kids will make you smile. You know, watching that video, you see all those little kids running around, excited, happy, and you go, man, that, that'll put a smile on your face. You can't help, you can't watch it and not smile, you know. And then maybe somebody gave you a hug today or spoke to you or have been praying for you, been thinking about you. You know, whatever, those things go a long way. Any fellowship together in the Spirit it says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? And that, I think this is supposed to be a rhetorical question, but it also is probably the question that we ought to ask. Hey, is our heart really tender and compassionate towards people? Or am I hard-hearted? Am I bitter? Am I angry? Am I, you know, am I kind of sealed off or kind of closed off from people? Am I keeping everybody at arm's length? Or am I really tender towards people and compassionate towards people? Am I really there? And so look at what Paul says. He says, then make, my, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one, with one mind and purpose. And so Paul is making a personal request here. He says, hey, he goes, if you guys don't mind, he said, man, make me, make me happy by getting along. It's kind of like your mom, you know, whenever I was growing up, it was like, would y'all just get along? I mean, would y'all just be happy for once? Y'all, y'all's parents ever do that? I mean, I may have grown up in dysfunction junction, you know what I'm saying? But... Now, I, I heard that more than once. Would y'all just get along? Boy, it'd be nice if y'all just get along for once. You know, and so you hear that kind of stuff and you go, okay, all right. Well, like, geez, what's wrong with her, you know? And, and so, but then make me truly happy is what Paul's saying. He go, he, he's saying this to the church. Hey, guys, if there's any comfort in knowing Jesus, any comfort in his love, any fellowship in the spirit, if you guys would, would you get along? Because there's always going to be the temptation to have factions and divisions in the church. That's how the enemy works. He loves to cause division. Because the thing is, is we're to be one. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, Father, let them be one as we are one. In other words, God, God, Jesus prayed for unity for the church, for all believers that we would be unified in mind and purpose. And that's what Paul is saying right here. Hey, man, be focused on what matters most. Be focused on the kingdom. Be focused on loving God. Be focused on loving people. That's what matters. And what happens too often is, you know, we get caught up in preferences and, you know, what our opinions might be and, and all this stuff. We, you know, we, there's so many ways to divide, you know, and, and so the enemy is always looking for ways to separate us out, to divide us out. I was just talking to a lady in the, in the front foyer who was telling me about, uh, she just got to go to Africa on a trip and uh, they got to go on all these safaris and, and she was telling me about, you know, seeing all these lines trying to get this water buffalo. And I was like, and that's exactly what the enemy does. The enemy tries to zero out a certain, you know, get one by themselves and then, hey, let's attack. And, and so the more that the enemy can do, cause divisions and factions and, you know, and get us separated from one another, the easier the, uh, the prey we are. You know, we're just easy prey. And, you know, we just went through a pandemic. Um, you know, we just went through, you know, everybody was talking about, you know, COVID. And so there was a lot of attention given to just uh, health and immune systems and how to keep things from spreading and all that kind of stuff. And so what we do is we, we don't think about how unhealthy relationships can be like a disease to the body of Christ. And so whenever we have these unhealthy relationships, we're literally, we're the one bringing in the contaminant. We're the one bringing in all the junk. And what we do is we cause it to affect the whole body. Because the Bible says that if I'm a believer and you're a believer, we belong to each other, right? And, and so if I'm unhealthy, if I'm sick, you know, then you, the church is sick. The si- church is unhealthy. If you're unhealthy in your relationships, then the whole body is unhealthy. And so we have to be willing to work at that to make sure that we have healthy relationships. It says, they make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working, towards, uh, to, working together with one mind and purpose. And so healthy relationships build unity and purpose. 
And so if you feel like, hey, man, we're just, we're just everywhere. There's, there's chaos. There's all this going on. It's usually because there's unhealthy relationships. Now, there's a need for great leadership as well. But a lot of times it's because you got, you got different opinions and you got different preferences and you got different agendas. And so what we have to be willing to do is say, God, help me to have you know, healthy relationships with the people around me. Healthy relationship with your boss or your leader or whatever. You need healthy relationships there. And, you know, and so we've got to be willing to make sure that you know, we, we have healthy relationships. And those healthy relationships usually allow for maybe some tough conversations to where we, we talk about the tough things. We, you know, if there's an issue that comes up, a lot of times what we do is we'll say, well, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sweep that under the rug. And before you know it, there's this huge mound in the middle of the room, you know, and it's this big pile that you swept up under a rug that, you know, everybody keeps tripping over. Instead of dealing with it, we want to just kind of sweep it under the rug or, or we'll go talk to everybody else but the person who offended us or the person who hurt our feelings. We're not going to talk to them. We'd go to them, hey, you know, what do you think about, you know, Joe over here and how he, you know, did that or whatever. Instead of going, hey, listen, Joe, I think maybe this could have been handled different. What we do is we want to go talk to everybody else except for the person that the Bible says we're supposed to talk to. And we're to go to the person we have the issue with, right? You know, the Bible even tells us, I mean, don't even come in here and worship if you've got an issue with someone. Don't come to the altar to lay down an, an offering. Don't come in here and worship and offer, you know, sacrifices of praise to God. If your heart's not right, if you've got, a, if you've got a, you know, unhealth in you, it says, hey, it's more important for you to go get that right than to just come in here and worship. And so we, we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, help me to make sure that my, my heart is right when I come in here because, God, I want to give you everything. I want to love you with all of my what? My heart. And if my heart is messed up and it's, you know, it's got unhealthy relationships all contaminated in there, then I come in here and I can't really worship the way I'm supposed to. And so we've got to be willing to leave that there, go take care of that relationship, then come back and worship with a pure heart. And so healthy relationships build unity and purpose. They allow us to, to move towards that focus. It's about the kingdom. It's about, you know, knowing God and, and making him known. It's about knowing Jesus and making him known, knowing the Holy Spirit and making him known. That's our purpose. And too often what we do is we get it caught up with everything else in this world and we go, you know, God, we don't know what we're really supposed to be about. You might be going, I don't really know what the purpose is for my life. Am I here just to live and breathe and die and that's it? No, God has a plan and a purpose for your life and he wants to use you to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. And so healthy relationships build, build that unity and purpose. Unhealthy relationships destroy everything. They destroy peace. Uh, they destroy vision. Uh, unhealthy relationships destroy in so many ways. They destroy fun. You know, there's oftentimes, you know, we talk about getting together maybe at Thanksgiving or Christmas. And, and you guys know, I mean, sometimes there's a strained relationship. There's, maybe it's with your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle. Maybe it's with a brother or sister. And you go, man, you know, we've got to do Thanksgiving uh, this year at their house or whatever. And uh, you're already starting to get a little bit amped up about it. And the closer you get there, you know, me, me, even me talking about it, it's kind of getting your blood pressure going a little bit like, ah, why didn't he have to bring that up? You know, I was really wanting to just worship today, but now I got to think about my relationship with my mom or my dad or whoever it might be. And, uh, and so you're going, man, you know, then you start kind of negotiating and say, hey, well, listen, we've only got to be there for an hour. Let's just go make an appearance, kind of do that and get out of there. Does that sound healthy? No. But that's the lifestyle that a lot of people live. And so these unhealthy relationships destroy what could be an awesome time together as family. It could be an awesome time of maybe being able to encourage one another and love on one another the way Paul was talking about. And maybe even talking about, you know, you, you know, unity and purpose and having that one mindset about, hey, it's about God, it's about the kingdom, it's about Jesus, you know, it's about people's lives being changed. And instead of it making it just about turkey and dressing and getting along just for an hour or so, 
we make it about what really matters. And, and so unhealthy relationships destroy everything. And pride destroys relationships. You know, pride's one of those things that, uh, you know, we make it about us. Hey, I'm right. And some of y'all are probably sitting here already, and I'm talking about this. And so you're thinking about why there's a strain in a relationship, and you're going, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one to say I'm sorry. I'm not wrong. They're the one that's wrong. And so pride destroys relationships because pride says, I'm not giving an ounce. I'm not giving an inch. I'm not giving anything. And so we say, you know what, I'm, I'm the one that's right. What they did was wrong. And, 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 and you know what, you may be exactly right. They may be the one that did something wrong, but you're the one that's doing something wrong by not forgiving if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ. And, and so we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, help me to, the, to, to get rid of pride, to die to this prideful, you know, arrogant heart here. It says pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. So pride leads to conflict. And so oftentimes what we do is we, we're not going to give, we're not going to say, I'm sorry, we're not back, backing down. And, and, and Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you are toting bitterness around. You're toting resentment around. You're toting things around that are like poison and toxins to you. And you need to get healthy in that way. And whenever we get healthy as an individual, we get healthy as what? The church. We get healthy as the body of Christ. It says, it says pride leads to conflict. It says those who take advice are wise. In other words, Maybe if you hear what God's word says today and you say, you know what, I'm not just going to think about it. I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to listen to that advice and I'm going to move towards healing. That's a good thing. It says pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Some of you guys are probably already thinking, you know, my family has been destroyed because of whatever. And, and pride, you know, does bring that destruction. But we've got to be willing to say, God, you know, I want to be about healing i want to be about restoration i want to be about reconciliation and as a follower of christ you know i don't know if you guys think about this often but as a follower of jesus i am to follow and live according to his teachings so he prays in john chapter 17 for us to be unified right for us to be one as he and the father are one if he teaches that we're to forgive and not only forgive those who have wounded us but to love our enemies golly that's tough but we're to follow in that we're to adhere to that we're to line up with that teaching and, and, you know, he, he's telling us to serve one another. And so in, 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 instead of just saying, hey, listen, it's about me, it's about me serving those around me, even those who have wounded me and those who have hurt me the deepest. And so pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Here's another one. Selfishness destroys relationships. You know, we all struggle with this one. I mean, when we wake up, we battle selfishness, right? Uh, we wake up thinking about, you know, ourselves and, you know, we can be self-centered, self-absorbed. It's about what we want. You know, just like today, you know, I joke about this a lot, but we'll say, hey, listen, we ask people where they want to eat, but we already know where we want to eat, don't we? Say, where do you want to eat? And they'll say, well, I was wanting Mexican. You know what? I really want Mexican today. Well, I was wanting, what about uh, Chinese? I don't really want Chinese. And you already know what you want, so you're just trying to manipulate so they'll go where you want to go. That's how selfish we are, right? And so selfishness destroys relationships because it's about me. It's what I want. You know, and, and we're, a lot of times we're, selfishness manipulates. You're just trying to get people to do what you want rather than going, you know what, hey, how can I do what they want or how can I serve them? And so selfishness is one of those things that we, we wrestle with. We get jealous of other people and, you know, we're selfish. We want what we want and then we're jealous of what other people have, which is really being selfish, wanting what they want for you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look at what James says here. He says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? Absolutely. 
And so he said, hey, listen, if you're wondering why you have all these, these uh, factions and these divisions and these strained relationships, it's because you've got some of this, this stuff going on inside of here. It's the selfishness that you're dealing with. It's the jealousy that you're dealing with. It says you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. There are times that we're jealous of how someone else gets a blessing. They get a promotion. We're like, well, I deserve a promotion. Instead of celebrating with them, we're jealous of them, right? Someone gets a new car, and we're like, boy, it'd be nice to have a new car. Instead of going, man, I'm glad you got a new car. You know, you got the payment too, you know. And, you know, I mean, instead of just being excited for somebody, we're envious or jealous of someone. You know, and so we, we've got to learn, you know, God, help me to crucify this junk that's in here, get this garbage out of my heart, because that's what affects relationships. It says you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Kind of hard to ask God for stuff whenever you're jealous and you're selfish and you're, because God doesn't, God doesn't answer those type of prayers, does it? And so what James is saying, let me get your heart right. And whenever you come before God, you'll be asking in the right way. You know, there's prayers that we pray that we're praying selfish prayers or jealous prayers or envious prayers. God's not going to bless that. But if you get your heart right, then God will hear your prayers and he'll respond in a way that's best for you. So we must work daily on our attitude. We have to work on our attitude. And, um, I, I don't know about you guys, but you know, we, you know, we have to work on an attitude. We can get an attitude in our, you know, just with our tone, right? You know, and there's some people get an attitude with their body language. You know, you can, you can see it on somebody by how they hold their shoulders or how they raise their eyebrows or, you know, you can, they don't even have to say anything and you can look at their face and go, all right, you got an attitude, right? And, and so we, we know that. So we must work daily on our attitude. And some of us have, you know, an attitude that maybe is not God honoring, and so we have to say, God, you know, help me to work on my attitude. You know, um, you know we, we have a tendency sometimes to want to point out a bad attitude in someone else, right? But we don't want to point out the attitude we're dealing with. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to work on my, on my attitude. So our attitude is critical to healthy relationships. If you want to, if you want to get in trouble, you know, get an attitude, uh, you know, an, a, a wrong attitude. You remember, uh, you know, um, I remember Hank Williams Jr. had a song talking about attitude adjustment. You know, and uh, a lot of people are like, man, there's a lot of people that need an attitude adjustment. Well, I'm not sure that's the right way to go about it. It's not necessarily the biblical way. But God does say to deal with your heart. Not to get conky on the head, but to maybe deal with your heart. You know, to get your heart right. You get your heart right, then here's the thing. It'll affect your, your attitude. Your, your attitude will get better. So our attitude must be the same as Christ Jesus. So we claim to be followers of Christ. And so if we're going to be following Jesus, we're going to be living according to his word, then we need to have the attitude that Jesus had. That it's not about us, and, and really it's about making more about God the Father and other people than even ourselves. So look at what it says in Philippians here. It says, don't be selfish and don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Think about that. So what Scripture is saying, say, don't think of them as a peer. It says to think of them as better than you. You know, it's not say, hey, listen, don't think of them as just right here that we're level, but say, hey, look, maybe, maybe think of them as better than you. And, and so it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. And, and most of us, you know, wake up thinking about, hey, how do we, how do we meet what the needs that I have? And hey, how do I impress everybody with what I've got or how I look or what I've done or what I've accomplished? You know, let me make sure I hang that on the wall where everybody can see what I have accomplished or whatever. You know, and so we, we live our lives often trying to think of ways to impress others rather than going, God, I want to impress you. God, I, I want to honor you. God, I want to live in a way that lines up with your word and lines up with the teaching of, of Jesus. And so, God, I, I want to make it about you and I want to make it about others. 
It says don't look out uh, only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. It says you must have the same attitude as who? As Jesus, right? So we're to have the same attitude as Christ. And, and you might say, well, what, what, what kind of attitude was that? I mean, you know, and let's look. So let's look at what Scripture says. It says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. So we think about God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. So here's the thing is we have a triune God that we worship and we serve. So Jesus, you know, leaves heaven to come here to become a, a man, to dwell among us, right? He had everything that he needed. He didn't need, it. He didn't need us. We needed him. And so he chooses to leave heaven to come here. And so he literally thinks more about us than he does about himself. He says, I'm going there to redeem them. And it meant going to a cross. It meant being, you know, being persecuted. It meant being beaten, you know, and going through all these beatings and scourgings and stuff. And then going to a cross and being nailed to a cross as a criminal. And so we see that, you know, he was willing to leave that behind. It says instead he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He was born as a human being. And so, you know, he lowered himself to become one of us so that he could show us the way. And, and let me just tell you this. When we, oftentimes we see, uh, you know, people will talk about, you know, different ways to heaven. I, this past weekend I was driving through North Carolina and, uh, and I saw, you know, this, uh, this, this universalist church. And oftentimes what that is is they believe all kinds of roads lead to heaven. Jesus made it pretty clear there's one way to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So it's not through good works, it's not through good deeds, it's not by being religious. There's no other way. He said, I am the way. He who puts his faith in me, who surrenders his life to me, he becomes one of mine. And he is the way. And, and so if we put our faith in Christ, so what we do is we, you know, we look at what Jesus did and we say, you know what, I put my faith in him. Then it changes our whole attitude. It should. If we're a follower of Christ, we're going, God, give me the attitude of Christ. Help me to, help me to change the way I think about things and how I think about people it's not about this world. So our, our attitude is how we perceive things. So our attitude is how we perceive things. Oftentimes, you know, we say, well, perception is reality, right? That's the way you perceive it. And, um, and we're talking about attitude. There are times that we're saying something, and we didn't mean it the way it came across, but it's perceived that way. And so oftentimes we, we have to work on how it was perceived. And, and so it's, it's seen through a light. And oftentimes what we do is we, because the past, you know, differences or because of past history or whatever we see things a little bit differently than maybe what the person is intending and so I was thinking I was thinking about this uh, last night or yesterday you know uh like with man camp we've got man camp coming up and it's this weekend guys and if you haven't registered right right now I think we've got about 40 something guys registered hopefully we'll have more than that after today but uh, but I wanted to kind of speak to something because there's uh, been a little bit of a rumbling and, um, and I heard this and I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address that because uh, that's the wrong perspective. And uh, someone was like, you know, hey, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, it's more of a macho type thing. I was like, no, it's not a macho type thing. It is a godly man thing. That's what it is. If you want to know what it's about. So if you're, if, you're, if you're here and you're wondering what man camp is about, let me just kind of give you, you know, a snapshot. So here's the thing. Our whole focus is to get men together and hopefully be able to, to pour into them and challenge them to be men of God. That's what it's about. You know, so uh, it's not, you know, it's not a, a macho type thing. It is a thing where you get men together. And like iron sharpens iron, men sharpen one another. And, and so just so you know what we're teaching, we're going to be teaching, we're going to be talking about David, King David, and the mighty men of King David. 
and his mighty men. And so what, that's what we're going to be teaching on. And so David, who was a man after God's own heart, you know, so we're wanting to learn from David and his mighty men how to lead our families in a way that honors God. And, I, and I'm just going to say this on the front end. Unapologetically, we are trying to reclaim some of the masculine things that the Bible celebrates as a man of God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's just what we're doing. And we don't apologize for that. And so men do things a little bit different than women do, or they used to, I should say. And so they do things a little bit different. And so there are things that guys do. So men like to connect by doing something, like it's playing golf or shooting guns or fishing or whatever. And that's where they tend to talk. They normally don't sit down across with a cup of coffee and talk to each other. And I know times have changed, but I'm just saying that's usually how guys connect is by doing something together. And so we are trying to teach men how to stand and, you know, and be men of God who are mighty men of God. That's what it's about. So just hopefully y'all have a clear perspective of what man camp's about. Now everybody's like, you know, I think you got to go after and eat raw meat. No, it's going to be medium rare. I'm just telling you, we're going to do that, right? So we will have steak and it's going to be good. And, and, and there will be guns and there will be, you know, uh, throwing footballs and stuff like that. But that's just ways to connect. That's all it is. It's just ways for guys to connect. And so here's what I'll just tell you. We can, we can look for excuses and we'll always find them. Or we can look for opportunities, and we'll always find them. And so it's a choice. You know, and a lot of that goes back to our attitude. It's how we see things. What are we looking for? And look at what Scripture says here. It says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. And see, if, you're li- if you're, your eye is bad, if the heart's wrong, then everything you look at, you're going to look at it in a negative light. You know, if you're, you're a negative Nancy or whatever, you know, it's half full. But when we begin to go, you know, God, help me to see the opportunities in front of me, not the negatives. God, if I'm going to look for excuses, I'll find them. But if I look for opportunities, I'll find them, right? And so your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Every one of us that's a believer is supposed to be filled with the light of Christ. And so wherever we go, instead of walking in with a bad attitude, or a bad disposition, we walk in filled with the light of Christ. And the Bible says that we're to literally be a light in this world, this dark world. And so maybe wherever you're working at and you talk about, well, I'm the only believer there. God's put a light there. You know, wherever you go to school at, you say, man, I'm the only believer here. God's put a light there, right? And so we have to make sure, you know what, that the light is shining in us. But our eye, our eye has to be good. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think, I like this last part, this is a warning. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In other words, if you think, if you think in your mind, hey man, you know, the light that I've got is if I'm religious, I get into heaven, how dark, how, how dark is that? That's what, that's what Paul is saying there. You know, he's saying, hey, listen man, you just don't understand. If you have chosen the wrong things and you've been deceived and you have been fooled and you think that you have this light, and it is not Jesus, I'm just telling you, how dark is that? That means that, you know what, you have been, you're going to go to your death believing, hey, man, I'm good, and you're not. And he said, man, how dark is that? And so we've got to be able to say, God, get my, get my life right, get my heart right, my eyes and my heart right. So here's a question I put out here today, and I wanted to kind of uh, unpack a few of these. What are the gifts we receive through faith in Jesus Christ that established through his death on the cross? What do we receive as a gift when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, not anything that we earn, but what do we get as a gift? Because if we try to earn it, it doesn't matter you know, what it might be. If we try to earn it, it's no longer a gift. It becomes a paycheck in some way. And, and so let's look at a couple of these. And I, I put some of these down. We, we earn or we receive eternal life. 
We don't earn that. We receive eternal life. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, we, we surrender our life and we say, Jesus, here I am. I'm broken. I am messed up. I am sinful. I give you my life. We, and, and, you know, and we and say, Jesus, I receive you. We receive eternal life. That means our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That means that we become a part of the body of Christ. And we're, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You know, and so we know that the Spirit of God is living within us and we are His child. We went from being a creation of God to being a child of God, adopted into His family. And so we have eternal life. Here's another one. We have freedom. We've been set free. And so whenever we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we, we literally receive the gift of freedom. It's like the shackles fall off. We are no longer a captive. We're no longer a slave to sin. We have been set free by the power of God that is at work through the cross of Christ and the power of the resurrection. And it's at work in every believer to set us free. So we walk in freedom. And so it's a gift that we receive. I don't earn that. I didn't get there, but I am, I am set free. It's like somebody walked up and they literally took the key and they unlocked the gate and said, hey, dude, you're free. And that's what Jesus did for me. That's what Jesus did for you. And so now we don't often walk in that. Oftentimes we keep trying to put the shackle back on us, like, like bitterness or anger or resentment. And Jesus is like, I've set you free from that. Why do you keep putting it back on? Why do you put the grave clothes back on? And so he said, hey, listen, man, I've given you freedom. It's a gift. Here's peace. That's one of the gifts that we receive when we put our faith in Christ. If we truly surrender and we really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we believe that he has stepped into our life and he has saved us, then we ought to have peace that passes understanding is what Scripture calls it. We have a peace that, you know what, man, I'm, I'm in right standing with God. You know, and no matter what happens in this life, I know, that, you know what, that God has me. And if I breathe my last today, I'm okay. I'm good. I have peace that passes understanding. And so that's a gift. And then here's another one, healing. God, God heals us. He heals us of our wounds. He heals us not just of emotional wounds and hurts, but he heals us physically. I mean, when it says by his stripes, you are healed. I believe in physical healing. I believe that God can do that. I've seen God do that. You know, I, I had a neighbor yesterday who I walked over. His wife had surgery the other day and we prayed. And, uh, and so I walked over yesterday and said, hey, listen, how's your, how's your bride? And he said, man, he said, she's doing good. He said, man, he said, let me tell you, he said, I believe in the power of prayer. He said, I am so thankful I'm part of a church that believes in the power of prayer and they believe in faith and they believe in the word of God. And I'm like, amen, dude, amen. And so God heals. Now, here's the thing, that healing, that healing is up to you as to how long that takes place. If you keep holding on to stuff, you know, then here's the thing, it may take longer and longer and longer for you to heal. But Jesus died that you would receive the gift of healing. And, and so he wants you to be healed. Now, ultimately, we say, you know, when someone breathes their last breath here as a follower of Christ, as a believer, then they go and they receive a perfect body. And so they, therefore, they're ultimately healed. But there's healing that can take place, you know, here and now. And then the last one, forgiveness. That's a gift. In other words, I don't earn that. I don't earn forgiveness from God. Uh, I'm, I'm, the, my greatest deed is a filthy rag is what Scripture says. And so what I do is I come before Jesus broken over my sin, humbly asking for forgiveness, and he offers to me forgiveness. And he says, you have been washed in the blood. He says, you have been washed white, and you, know, and you are literally cleansed like, a, like, a snow, like, like wool. And so these are gifts that I get. And, there, and there's probably other gifts that come as a result of that, but these are some major gifts. Wouldn't you agree? And so for everybody in the room here that we go, you know what, man, God has given me so many things. He's blessed me in so many ways. 
And so forgiveness is a gift for you, and it's a gift for me. And so we think that forgiveness is something I give to someone. No, no, no. When I forgive someone, it is a gift to me. When I I forgive someone that has hurt me, it, it is a gift to me. I'm receiving God's blessings. I'm letting things go. I have peace that passes understanding. I have you know, I have let that go, so I, therefore I receive God's gift of forgiveness. And so forgiveness is a gift to us. So we have all been hurt or wounded at some point. Everybody in this room, everybody watching online has been hurt by somebody. Maybe somebody said something that hurt your feelings. Maybe somebody lied to you. Maybe they cheated on you. Maybe they stole from you. Maybe they told people, uh, other people lies about you. Maybe they spread rumors about you. Maybe they abandoned you. Maybe they touched you in a way that was inappropriate. Whatever it may be. But everybody in this room, we're all wounded. Everybody watching online, we're all wounded. And so the question is, is what do we do with the wounds? What do we do with the hurt that we're toting around? And so we've all been hurt or wounded at some point. Everybody. We're all, we're all in the same bowl there. And so the question is, is what do we do with that? You know, we can, we can hold on to that and it can become bitterness. It can become anger. It can become resentment. And it can literally cause us to have a hard heart. It can cause us to not be tender and compassionate towards others, but it can cause us to become mean and mean-spirited. And so the question is, what do we do with that? So we've all been wounded at some point. It says, many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? Scripture even addresses that, you know what, it's hard to find a good friend. And many of y'all are thinking about someone who has hurt you. And maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a co-worker, maybe it was a boss, maybe it was a family member, a brother, sister, mom, dad, aunt, uncle, could be anybody. So scripture makes it clear, it's hard to find loyal people this day and age, I promise you. And, and, and I'm with you guys. I mean, I've been hurt as well. We've had the proverbial knife stuck in our back. We've had people lie about us, had people spread things about us, right? I mean, and, and you go, you know what? I can either choose to let that make me bitter or I can choose to let it make me better. And so that's the decision I have to make. And if I'm going to follow Christ, then Jesus says bitterness is not an option. Bitterness is is choosing the ways of the world. Bitterness is choosing the ways of the enemy. But if I choose to say, God, I'm going to let this make me better, then I'm choosing to follow Christ. And and so we've got to be willing to make allowances for each other's faults. It says, and forgive anyone who offends you. It says, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, you know, when I think about making allowances, it's like, all right, I've got to make allowance for this. I've got to plan on this, right? And the tough thing about that is, is you're going, all right, I got to make allowances for this. In other words, I've got to know that, you know what, it's probably not the last time I'm going to be hurt. It's probably not the last time that someone's going to lie about me or stab me in the back or, or leave me or abandon me or whatever it might be, because I don't have any control over anybody else. But what I can do is I can make allowance for that. And I can decide now that no matter what happens, I'm going to forgive because that's what Jesus did. It says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must, that's not, that's not a suggestion. It says you must forgive others. And so again, when we forgive others, we give ourselves a gift. And I'm just saying, I believe there's people in this room today that you need to give yourself the gift of forgiveness. There's people watching online that need to receive forgiveness. And they need to offer forgiveness. They need to offer forgiveness and you get the gift yourself. Look at what it says here. Uh, I, this, this is a, it says, you, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this point, position so I could save the lives of many people. All right, so that's, that's Joseph. I don't know if you know the story of Joseph. Uh, 
but Joseph, you know, the coat of many colors. And so we go back into the Old Testament and you see the story of Joseph there. When I was growing up, I thought it was the coolest thing, you know, um, that, that whole story. And so he literally was his dad's favorite. So you're talking about dysfunction junction. This family was messed up. And so it made him the favorite, gave him a special coat. But his brothers resented him and had a really hard time with him. And so what they did was they took Joseph and they threw him into a cistern whenever he was supposed to be bringing some stuff out to them, threw him into a well, and they take his coat and they tear it up and they put some animal's blood on it and they take it back to the dad and say, hey, listen, your favorite son, he's dead. And, and you know, just devastated the dad. And anyway, they sell the brother into slavery. So he goes into Egypt and he, he gets there and he ends up becoming, you know, a, a slave there. He works his way up. This lady tries to seduce him. And anyway, she lies about him and he gets put back in prison. And therefore, you know, man, he's in there, you know, people, he was helping people out. He would tell, Hey man, remember me? I remember you. And they would, they wouldn't remember him. And it just been just kind of a raw deal. Well, eventually God takes him and he ends up being second only to Pharaoh. And so he ha- has this plan, everything he touches, man, it's like it turns to gold. And everything he, he, he touches is blessed. And so God is using him to save Egypt, but it's also going to be to save his brothers. And so his brothers end up coming there begging for food. And whenever he, he sees them, man, he's devastated. It rocks his world. And so in some sneaky ways, he tries to figure out ways to get all of them there. And he, eventually he reveals himself to his brothers. And they realize hey, this is our brother that we threw in a well and we sold into slavery. And this is what he says. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And so what if we had this mentality that Joseph has here to where we go, you know, we look at someone that hurt us and say, listen, you intended to hurt me. But what God did, God has taken that wound and that hurt and he has used it to make me better. And now I know how to minister to people who have been hurt like I have. What if we had the mentality that, hey, you know what, God, I'm not going to let this make me bitter. I'm going to let this make me better so that I can make a difference in the lives of people. And so, God, I want to be used for your purposes and for your kingdom, and I want to serve your people. And so we see that there. So forgiveness will heal you and protect you from the sin that wants to harm the body of Christ. Remember, like I said a while ago, so if I am sin sick, it affects the body of Christ. If you're sin sick. It affects the body of Christ. So out of all these people that are sitting here in the room, those watching online, if we have unhealthy relationships and we've got bitterness and anger and resentment inside of us, then I'm just telling you, we're affecting the health of the church, the body of Christ. And we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to forgive as you did. Look at what it says here in Titus 3. It says, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. I mean, I love how direct that is. That's where we used to be. And hopefully for everybody in this room, every believer that's watching online, we go, you know what, that's where I used to be. Man, that's not me anymore. That, that man is dead. You know, I talked about this in the first service. You know, oftentimes we have an attitude. Like, I grew up in 8-mile Alabama. A lot of people don't know where that's at. It's down in Pritchard, down close to Mobile. And, uh, and we kind of used to talk about, man, don't, don't make me go eight mile on you, you know, type deal. I mean, in other words, it's kind of a bad attitude or that Mazingo attitude or whatever. And so the thing is, is all that stuff, man, I died to that. That's dead. That's gone, right? I want to have the attitude of Christ. I want to be known as, as Mike Mazingo who follows Jesus, man, and Jesus' love is in him, right? And so whatever attitude you've got, you got to be willing to say, God, I want to die to that. And that's what he's saying right here, man. We used to be that way. But that's gone. That's dead. That's behind us, man. That, that is behind us. I'm no longer that way. But 
when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And see, it's not anything that we've done or we've worked to accomplish. It's not anything that we can say, hey, this is what I have accomplished. This is what I've done. I just come to him and say, God, I'm broken. And God, I, I need you to change me. And he begins to change my attitude and he begins to change my heart because all that stuff's tied together. But it's because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. And he generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. When we put our faith in Christ, man, he washes us clean. We come to him dirty, right? We come to him messed up, broken. But man, he, he washes us clean. He gives us all those gifts we talked about earlier. Because of his grace, that's undeserved. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. So in other words, maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that kind of grace. And maybe you don't have any confidence about where you're going to spend eternity. But that's what Jesus died for. Jesus wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that if I breathe my last breath right now, I'm breathing my first breath of heaven. That we can have that confidence. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. We know that God is at work in us. We know that we're a child of God. We know that we're part of his family. And if you don't know that, then nail that down today. That's what Jesus died for. And so I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you, man, put your faith in Christ today. Let today be the day of salvation. And so here's, here's the next thing, next steps. If you're wondering, what, hey, what are the steps you need to take today? I think this is important, to commit to the hard work of healthy relationships. Just make the decision today. Say, so you know what? Relationships are hard. And maybe you start thinking today about, you know what? I know who I've got to forgive. And I think most of us in this room already know who God's been kind of reminding us that we need to forgive. And we begin to work on that relationship. When we begin to say, all right, what, how am I going to make this happen? We begin to work on it. We begin to work it. Number one, God, get my heart right first. So we work on that. We make that commitment. To work on my attitude by follow, allowing God to change my heart. If he changes your heart, he changes your attitude. And so maybe today you say, God, I need you to take the bitterness out. I need you to do spiritual surgery on my heart today. And to choose today to forgive those that have hurt me. Let me just tell you this. I, I, I shared this earlier in the first service. I had a young girl who was in my student ministry back when I was a youth pastor. And she had been sexually molested by a family member. And she said, uh, she said how, do I, how do I heal from that hurt? I said, well, you've got you to be willing to maybe confront the person. But you've got you to choose to forgive. And she goes, well, he's dead. I said, that's a tough one. I said, I would encourage you to write a letter. I said, write a letter to that person confronting the situation. I said, being willing to address it. I said, but choosing to forgive. And so she, so she, she told me, she said, I'm going to pray about that. I said, all right. So she prayed about it. And then she came to me. She said, I, I wrote the letter. She goes, and I went to his grave. And I read the letter. And I burnt, I, I think she, I don't remember if she burnt the letter. But she left the letter there. And uh, she said, and I let it go. And she goes, and I could feel that God healed me. Because I'd been toting that bitterness and that anger and that resentment around all these years. She said, but I let it go right there. And, and so I would encourage you to let it go. And here's the last one. To help keep the body of Christ healthy by choosing to forgive quickly. And let me just tell you, we have to make decisions sometimes multiple times during the day to forgive quickly. Don't let it fester. Don't let it get worse. Say, I'm, I'm forgiving today. I'm forgiving right now. I'm forgiving. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And maybe you're here in the room today and you've never put your faith in Christ or you're watching online, you've never put your faith in Jesus. You don't know where you're going to spend eternity. I want to walk you through the plan of salvation real quick and just a, a prayer, just how you can know that Christ lives within you. You just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. 
Jesus, I, I'm asking you to come into my life, to be my leader, to be my Lord. And Jesus, with all the faith that I have, and that's all I can bring, I'm bringing you all the faith that I have. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And I'm asking you to come into my life. And I'm asking you to change me from the inside out. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. So if you confess your sins and you repent, he says, welcome home, my child. You put your faith in him with all the faith you have. You believe that he is the son of God. You believe that he went to the cross. You believe in the power of the resurrection. If you believe, you're in. If you just prayed that prayer, anybody in the room? If you just prayed that prayer to receive Christ, if you would just raise your hand just high so I can see it. Anybody in the room? I see a hand over here. Anybody else? Just raise it high. Anybody? I see your hand. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome home. I love that. All of heaven rejoices if one cries out. But you know, I believe there's a lot of people here in this room that are believers already. They know Christ. But they also know they've got bitterness and anger and resentment and unforgiveness in their heart. And if you're following him, you're not honoring him. Not by keeping that there. And so the, the worship team's going to come and they're going to sing. It's a time of response. And I'll just tell you this, the altar is open. Maybe there's some things you need to lay down at the altar. The prayer team will be here to pray with you, to pray over you, to encourage you. But if you just need to go get on your face before a holy God and pray, just go do it. There's somebody you need to go in. You need, today you just need to make that choice to forgive, then forgive. Maybe you're at home. You get down beside your couch or get down beside your coffee table and just get on your knees and just ask God God show me the steps I need to take to work on the relationship if everybody would just stand you respond as the Holy Spirit leads Father we thank you for today God move in this place bring healing you've already given it as a gift God let us choose today to be healed in Jesus name amen